This episode of Help, I'm a Children's Pastor is brought to you in part by DrawYouAPicture.com, where you can get your next ministry logo designed from scratch for as low as $99. View the gallery, see what I've done for others, and see what I can do for you at DrawYouAPicture.com. This is Help, I'm a Children's Pastor, Episode 6. Welcome to Help I'm a Children's Pastor, where we're focusing on the needs of the everyday children's minister. This is episode six, brought to you the week of February 19, 2011. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison, children's pastor at Suncoast Cathedral in beautiful St. Petersburg, Florida. How are ya? I know it's been a while since I've done a podcast, and I apologize. My goal was to be on an every other week schedule, but uh, due to some busyness and uh, scheduling conflicts and trips to Disney World last weekend. Um, it, it hasn't happened for a minute. Um, so I apologize. Apologize in advance. Um, we've got a lot of feedback. We've got a lot of things we want to cover today. But our main topic this week is going to be stage presence. Okay. Um, there's a lot of us, uh, especially new people, that get really nervous talking to kids. And even if you're someone that's not nervous talking to a group of children, there are a lot of people that are that work for you or that um, you're going to try to recruit and they're going to uh, maintain that, oh, oh, I can't talk to kids. Um, So this may help you uh, reaffirm what you already know or help you in training people how to get some stage presence. Now, First, let me define it. What is stage presence? To me, stage presence is the ability to keep the attention of your children. It is half entertainment, half information, and then half discipline. Okay, so I know that's three halves. So make those thirds and forget I don't know math. Um, You've got to be able to communicate to your children, keep their attention, and be able to be a disciplinarian all at the same time. Now, how do you handle discipline and not disrupt your entire service? I think that comes from being someone that they respect from the get-go, and that's for a different podcast. If your kids do not respect you, they will not listen to you, and that's nothing you can force or should force. It's something you've got to develop through relationship. Uh, We talk about a lot of that in some past podcasts about discipline. I think if you go back to CM Monthly, uh, Children's Ministry Monthly, uh, Episode 2, it is about discipline, one of our largest downloaded shows. Uh, We talk all about relationships and things like that. Um, But what we want to talk about today is setting the tone, being able to be someone that owns the room, and uh, has is able to communicate properly. Now, this is going to benefit you in children's ministry, youth ministry, adult ministry, whatever you do. And and this is coming from someone that is pretty sure of himself now. I I, I feel like I'm a lot better of a speaker than I once was. Uh, but it's coming from someone that used to have a lot of doubts about my abilities to hold an audience, about my abilities to communicate a message, about my abilities to be interesting and someone that people would receive from. 
Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. First, though, I want to remind you real quick, we've got a new section of the website uh, over at helpomachildrenspastor.com. It's our download section, and uh, that's been much requested by our people. So if you go over to Help I'm a Children's Pastor, click on uh, Downloads, and you will get automatically be able to see all of the things that are available for download on the website right now, a lot of the jumps and the uh, the videos that I mentioned on the last episode are available, and uh, so you can jump over there and pick those up. Um, let's see here. Yes, 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 y'all. So anyway, you could check out that and all of the other things, including being able to subscribe and email us and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and blah blah blah. Right over there at helpimeandchildrenspastor.com. All right, let's jump right into it. Uh, Stage presence. Again, being able to hold your uh, people's attention, being able to communicate a message, being able to maintain discipline all at the same time. Because I believe no matter who you are, if you're the person that owns the stage in, in children's ministry, you have got to double as a disciplinarian. You've got to be able to maintain order and uh, control the chaos that is there. Whether you're the worship pastor, the, the speaker, the person that's just doing the object lesson, you need to have stage presence. You need to own the stage. You need to set the tone. You do not allow the tone to be set by the audience. If they are disinterested, if they're sitting, you know, leaning down in their chairs, if they're not uh, perked up, if they're not paying attention, you have got to not allow that to determine uh, your mood and your mode. Um, I've heard it said, they say, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? Obviously, a thermometer uh, just reflects the temperature and is affected by the temperature of a room or a space, uh, whereas a, a thermostat sets the tone and changes it if necessary. I want to be a thermostat. I want you to be one too. Now, how to do that, uh, the first step, obviously, is is just set the tone. Don't allow the tone to set you. When you get up there, you're the one that gets to say how things go. If you're excited, you know what? There's going to be a certain amount of them that are excited. The problem with us, uh, people like me and maybe like you, is we always seem to focus on the disinterested. The, the, the problem child, the kids that aren't paying attention, the ones that are turned around, the sixth graders on the back row with their arms crossed, whispering to each other, the little girls that are messing with their shoes and, and not sitting like ladies, all the different things that go on in children's ministry, in children's church or in Sunday school, we seem to focus all on the negative. What that does to us is it it hurts us. It hurts our, our communication skills. It hurts our uh, confidence. And it makes us think that we're not getting across what we're doing. It makes us feel like our words are falling flat. So when I say set the tone, I don't mean just get up there and be positive. I mean don't be timid. Don't allow those kids to affect your feelings on your own topic. If you've prepared, if you've done your homework, if you've got your object lessons and all your scripts in order and you know what you're going to say and you feel like you have something for God from God for those kids – then you do not need to focus on your audience uh, and their participation, uh, especially the negative, okay? That's what I typically do. Even now that I'm a little more sure of myself, it's not that I look at the kids that aren't paying attention or the ones that I would be in, would have formerly been intimidated by. It's that I look and I want to fix every single child's attention. I want every kid's eyeballs fixed on me. And I know that just because they have their eyes locked on me, it doesn't mean they're paying attention. 
Uh, matter of fact, I've shared stories on here about kids that roll around in the pews and can tell me more than the kids that look like they're sitting up straight, focused on me, uh, listening and paying attention. Um, you know, church kids, the, the downside of children's church and, and being a church kid is you learn how to look like you're paying attention even when you're not. You learn how to look like you're being good. So, Here's my uh, my other tip, and these are in no particular order, by the way, uh, but I will say own the stage, set the tone, don't be timid, uh, but preach to the ones that are listening, okay? Preach to the ones who are listening. Uh, you're going to deal with this in big church too. Pastors will tell you, and, and workers and statistics and, and all this, it all wraps up into about 20% of your group is going to be your core, and maybe even less if you're just starting out. But it's typically about 20% of your kids that are your core. And then you've got, you know, the, your, your friends, the once in a while, the every other weekends. And then you've got the visitors and things like that, the people that you need to pull in, the people that are maybe too timid to say anything anyway. So they're not really good. Kids are just scared. Um, so you can't judge by what you see out there because there's a million different reasons why a kid could be grumpy or uh, maybe he didn't sleep uh, or maybe his mom's got a new boyfriend and he's upset. And, and, you know, who knows what's been going on. A good kid could be bad that week. A bad kid, you know, a bad acting kid could be good that week because he's too sleepy to mess around. You know, you just, you just don't know. Preach to the listening. And here's the deal. If there are kids acting up, let your people handle discipline. Even if you're all by yourself, it's sometimes better to let some things go. Now, if you are by yourself, I highly suggest having a discipline structure in place that allows you to correct the behavior without stopping your show. I even use one, even though I do have people sitting out with my kids. I call them behavior balloons, and I have uh, three of them for each team. And it allows me to reach over and pop one if I see somebody being bad. Um, or And I kind of save it for situations where the entire group needs a repair, needs a refocus. Um, and, and it allows me to pause for a second, pop a balloon, and then jump right back into my point. The kids immediately know uh, which team was being punished. Um, there's a point deduction done later on at the end of the service. So they know that's coming. It, uh, it, it, it basically, I tell my people who are working the teams that if you get to them before I do, you know, then no big deal. I will never pop a balloon because you're dealing with somebody and have, you know, even if it's a little bit of distraction. Uh, but if I have to deal with them, um, if, 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 if it's interrupting the service, the, the stage presence thing, um, I'm going to pop a balloon. So, uh, you could use that whether you have it or not. The biggest way to keep the attention of your kids is to break up your service into segments. Now you've heard me say this a hundred times, uh, over the last several episodes, you know, over the course of this podcast, segments are huge. I, you know, at minimum, if you have an hour service, you should have four 15 minute segments at minimum. But then you start thinking, well, offering only takes three minutes. Pra opening prayer takes a minute and a half. Greeting, you know, the closing, the altar time is going to take 15 minutes. Then you're subdividing your time. The second best thing you could do is mix it up. Uh, even with the, with, with the segments, uh, don't, don't let it be you, if you can help it, doing every segment. Anything you can give away, please give away. 
Now, when I first got to Suncoast, I had to do everything. But step by step, I started giving things away. And now I've got somebody else taking off, and I've got somebody else doing the games. i got somebody else doing worship. i got somebody else um, going over the rules and regs. And I do uh, one part of the lesson. I do the close. I do the opening. I do the opening prayer. I've got parts that I do as the pastor. But what it does is it keeps the kids interested. It keeps them, you know, kids love openings and closings. So there you go. Um, here, here's some tips for you personally. Okay. Because what if everybody's got one of these people and what if you're one of them that when you get up on the stage, the kids just kind of shut off. I've had people like this, even in my children's ministry that they just weren't good on stage. And the only, the only problem I've ever had with somebody that wasn't good on stage is if they weren't teachable, if they thought they were good. So, I don't know. Check yourself. Record yourself. Videotape yourself. Check yourself and make sure that you're as good as you think you are, okay? But for those folks, here here are some tips. And for, for all of us, to be honest, I've seen even really good folks make this mistake. I try to limit the amount of times the crowd can verbally interact with me. Okay. Now that goes counter culture to a lot of the stuff like group publishing and all this stuff. Uh, but I'm not talking about it, it's not really as counter culture as you'd think. I'm not talking about not asking questions of individuals and asking, you know, for responses. I think that's huge. And I think that's a great way to engage your audience. What I'm talking about is open ended questions that are put out hypothetically to the crowd because kids don't know about hypothetical questions. They answer all of them out loud. And in case you don't know what hypothetical means, it's a question you don't answer out loud. Um, a lot of children's pastors and, and object lesson workers and stuff like that, they get up on the stage and here, I don't know, here's an example. You'd say, you know, I, okay, I, I did an object lesson one time and early on and I mixed up a, a bunch of stuff in a, uh, in a mixer and it was supposed to be a Sunday, like, or not a Sunday, a, uh, a milkshake. I put the milk in, put the ice cream in, I put chocolate syrup, I put strawberries, and I put a little bit of rat poison in there. Okay, rat poison ruined it. And, and I think the object lesson was just about, you know, even a little bit of sin or, or you know, it's just, anyway, I don't remember the exact point. But the thing is, I, I asked the question and, and ruined it to a certain extent. I said, you wouldn't want to eat this, would you? You wouldn't want to drink this now. And there's always some dork kid out there or a group of kids or some older kid or whatever. There's like, yeah, I'll drink it, yeah. I mean, you could stand up there and say, you wouldn't want to eat poop, would you? And there's always going to be somebody like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll eat it. And, and they're not serious. They're just being silly. But it kind of takes the the – it takes and ruins – your lesson because the whole point is they're supposed to be disgusted. They're supposed to not want that. They're supposed to want whatever you're going to present the next time. Um, we're trying to correct bad behavior, blah, 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 trying to direct people before toward Christ. Somebody's always going to answer yes when you ask an open-ended hypothetical question, no matter what. So it's better to make a statement. Um, there's no way that any of us in our right mind would drink this. It's got rat poison in it. Blah! We would die. We'd at least end up in the hospital. See, you've made a series of statements that still get the point across, but it doesn't give an opportunity for the crowd to answer back. You wouldn't want to eat poop, would you? Yeah! Hey, there's no way. If somebody said, here's a banana split and here's some poop, there's no way we'd choose the poop. We'd choose the banana split. 
Okay, see how that is? It doesn't give the opportunity for the crowd to answer. Now, you might, uh, the critic of this might say, well, there's always that kid, that one kid. Okay, that's called a heckler. Okay, um, and no matter what you say, there's going to be that kid that, that responds out loud. Sometimes it's a first a kindergartner that thinks that you and them are the only one in the room. Uh, sometimes it's the sixth grader in the back that ought to be in main service with their parents. Sometimes it's just some kid trying to be funny. That might have been me when I was a kid. I'm not going to say. But hecklers um, are people that that try to get jokes off in your service and try to uh, – and they're not really good jokes because they're kids. Uh, what you do with hecklers is you don't answer them. Okay, a lot of times you get hecklers uh, during puppet shows too. Like, say, Scripture Man's talking to somebody on the other side about the scripture, and they say something. You're a dumb, Scripture Man. We hate you. You know, and they're they're talking and yapping. The puppet, the worst thing the puppet can do is respond to that and talk to that person, and the, the leader talk to that person and say they're not stupid. You know that that's the worst thing you could do. The best thing you could do is discipline that person because they're speaking out. Okay. Now you're 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 going to be affected in a different way because it seems it seems embarrassing. It's like oh I I I they got me in a sensitive spot. But it's just as bad if somebody spoke out about anything. And so take it as what it is. It is behavior that is not good in a ser- service and discipline it. Um, for instance, when we're doing Scripture Man, if if uh, the lady on the, on the front end uh, has a problem with hecklers and people hollering out, which happens once in a while, she'll reach over and pretend or, or either pop a balloon or reach toward one, um, and all of a sudden, <gasps> all that goes away. Scripture Man does not interact with the crowd, doesn't egg it on, um, you know, so there you go. That's a way to control your audience, so to speak, is you don't give them opportunities to speak out loud, okay? Discipline the hecklers that, that speak out no matter what. Worst case scenario, let's just say that it is just bad. There's just somebody that, okay, don't be afraid to stop the whole show. I don't like to stop the show. I don't like to address a kid from the front, I think it's embarrassing. I think it, it gives too much attention to it. I think it's too big of a, uh, a punishment to have the pastor stop the show and get on to a kid right there in the middle of everything. I, that's why I have people out there doing that. But when I see somebody trying to deal with a child and the child is defiant or non-responsive, I will stop the whole show. I'll say, turn off the music. Pot, turn the video off, whatever, and I will address that person right there. And I will set the record, I will set it straight, I will give the desired behavior, or I will put them in timeout, or whatever my rule is, or wherever they're at, and then I will pick up where we left off. And if the entire crowd is being crazy for some reason, I call them full moon Sundays, where just everything's gone right except for the kids, I will turn off everything, and I will put my microphone down, And I will walk up to them and I will say, look, it's just me and you. It's just me and you. I'm your pastor. You're my kids. Your parents brought you to learn something. And here's the deal we make. I tell them this once in a while. Here's the deal we make. I promise to make it fun if you promise to learn something. And if you promise to learn something, I promise to make it fun. But listen, if you don't learn, I don't have to make it fun. You understand? 
So do you want to have fun? Do you want to continue? Because we've prepared. We've got things ready for you. We want to have a blast. We want to learn about Jesus. We want to become better Christians. Do you want that? Or are you ready for the entire group to sit in timeout until your parents get here? Oh, oh. Okay, here's the deal. Don't be afraid to stop the show, but use it sparingly. Maybe once a year I have to pull that card out. But that's why it's so big. That's why it's such a big deal because, man, first of all, they know I'll do it. Secondly, I don't use it every week. There's people that do that every week. You kids need to listen up. I've worked hard. Don't you love Jesus? Don't say that kind of stuff. They're kids. Oh, by the way, use a microphone. I don't care if you got six kids in a in a choir closet. Use a microphone. Get yourself some sort of amplification device. Get your voice above the general din of a bunch of kids talking. First of all, it's going to have the effect of a fan at night. Some people sleep with a fan for the white noise because it filters out and automatically overpowers a lot of little creaks and groans and steps and sighs and things like that that are going on in the rest of the house. And it helps you sleep without being distracted. That microphone's going to do that. It's going to get your voice to a point where your kids, uh, if, if they're whispering or passing or this, that, and the other, it's not going to bug you as much. It's not going to bug each other themselves as much. And they'll listen to you better than they would have otherwise. Um, the second thing it's going to do is going to keep you from having to raise your voice. You can talk to them at a normal, vocal, you know, just conversational tone. And they'll be able to hear you instead of you having to holler over everything so they can hear you in the back. And now, or not, or not, man, if there's one thing kids do, it's they tune out people that yell. So don't yell. Um, I use microphones. Um, I always have. I love them. I, I think they're great. But sometimes, every now and then, I find that my voice through a microphone, since we have kids that are so used to media and so used to television, every now and then, the microphone, I think because there's technology between my lips and their ears, they tune it out. It's so easy for them to do. So every now and then, maybe it's for a a big point that I want to make when I want to change gears and shift things up. Maybe it's when I really need to discipline someone and talk to them from the stage. I definitely do it then. But when I need to really make a point and I want to get their attention for that one point, rather than saying the traditional, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Instead of that, I will say, I'm going to put this down so you can hear me better. And I will turn that microphone off and stick it down on the on the podium and walk down close to them and talk to them. And I barely get audible. I'm barely able to, to carry. I know where my voice is at, and it's barely hitting that back row. Because I want the kids to have to strain to hear. And it's a great method to pull kids in. Now, you can't do it for long. I make my point. I say what I need to say. I add to it a little bit. I turn around and walk back up. Pick up my mic and continue on. So, uh, I, the, you know, the little joke that I use is I'm going to put this down so you can hear me better. And I've had more comments from visiting uh, parents and other workers and other children's pastors about that comment than anything else we do because it seems the opposite of what you'd want to do. You'd think you'd turn your mic up or you'd talk louder. But I'm telling you, you, you when you talk directly to them like that, once in a while, uh, it, it works great. If they're all squirming, Mix it up. If your whole group is gone and they you've lost them, mix it up. Get wild. Get crazy. Immediately change what you're doing. 
Okay, now if you've got a three-minute segment, go ahead and butcher through the three minutes. But if you're in the middle of your sermon and your kids are squirming, switch it up. Pull one of them up on the stage and use them as an example. Uh, Whatever you were going to do, switch it up. Pull an object lesson out. Describe that object. Whatever you got to do. I'm a big fan of using objects. And if you don't have the object, describe the object and act like you've got it right there. Kids' imaginations can go crazy. Have them close their eyes and 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 tell them a story or uh, pull a few of them up and reenact um, the Bible story right there and make it funny. You know, work their arms for them like they're puppets and stuff like that. Um, have them, you know, I'm a big fan of jumps. Jumps are just things that I do through my service, uh, where I'll say pigeons, for example, and the kids duck and cover and I give them prizes or, uh, a thousand points for the team that did it the fastest. I say, amen. They sit up and they look at me and then I continue what I'm doing. I've got other jumps, uh, various ones like trash trucks and sewer rats and all this. And they all, they all have twister. Um, they all have a response action and it seems chaotic, but when I've lost my kids or when they need a little break, I throw one of those out. They're great for, uh, transitions as well. Um, I throw one of those out and they all end, no matter how crazy and wild they were, they all end with the kids focused on me. They give the points, they cheer, all right, now, like we were saying, boo ba doo and you continue just like that. For those of you that are timid, um, I was really timid. I'm going to be very transparent. I used to get invited to come and talk uh, to adults, and I was pretty good with kids. But when I talked to adults, I really kind of got nervous. And I realized that even though I thought I was pretty good with kids, I was, I was actually that way with them too. And the reason why is because I would always imagine that my audience were very, very critical of me, that they saw nothing but my weaknesses, that they were bored, that they hated it, that they were going to be disappointed. You know, if I went to a conference and talked on outreach, then I was assuming everybody was smarter than me and better than me and blah, 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 blah. I don't have an easy way to tell you uh, how to how to change that because, you know, you hear – uh, you're supposed to talk to people, uh, you know, as if they were on your side, and you know, then somebody else says, "Well, imagine everybody in their underwear," and that's the, like the most horrifying thing ever, because you know, children's people, not all of us are very good looking anyway, um, and even if you were, it, it's still uncomfortable. I don't want to see anybody in their skivvies. There's just nothing attractive about uh, regular underpants to me at all. Um, and and then uh, so so I was the person that always spoke to the negative person. I would find the person that was disinterested or had a weird look on her face, and I would just think, oh, they're picking apart everything I said. I would get nervous. I would stutter. I wasn't good. My wife would try to be supportive, but she would tell me, James, you you weren't yourself. You you could I could tell that you were you know talking to uh, this imaginary bad guy. And and here's the thing. That's why I told you right at the beginning. Preach to the ones that are listening. Preach to the listening. Preach to the ones that are good. The ones are not good, but but are giving you their good attention. Um, and I could tell you that a hundred times, but when you get up there in the heat of the moment, it's going to be hard to do. Um, the thing that's helped me the most, honestly, has been podcasting. I started a show called Nobody's Listening back in December two thousand six. And I called it Nobody's Listening. It was it was a clean comedy podcast where we tell funny life stories and invite you to do the same. Um, when we first started in December 2006, I, I, I named it Nobody's Listening because I was for sure 
It was very self-deprecating. I was sure nobody was going to listen. What did I have to share? What, who wanted to listen to me? I wasn't funny enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't well-spoken enough. I didn't have a radio voice. I didn't have hardly any equipment. But I was really, really, really into the idea of podcasting, and I wanted to try it out. You know, I, I'm that way with a lot of things. I like to try things out, see if I like them, new television shows, new hobbies, whatever. So I tried it out. I hate the name now, but it's been too long now. <laughs> so uh, it's it's like a brand name. People know it. NLCast.com is where you can find that show. Uh, it's a clean comedy podcast, again, where we tell stories, life stories, and uh, and share the ones that are submitted it's very popular. It's recently made a comeback. We'd, we'd uh, gone away for nine months or six months and tried something else. But what it did is it showed me that I had a voice. It helped me practice my speaking. It helped me be conscious conscious of, uh, of my words. Um, we recorded live to hard drive, as we call it. And uh, so there, there wasn't a lot of editing to be done. So I had to learn how to say what I wanted to say the first time without stuttering. Um, and it and it, people gave me feedback. They're writing in saying how much of a blessing it's been or how our jokes helped them while they were recovering um, therapy with cancer and, and chemotherapy and all. The, I mean, we've had dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of emails uh, and dozens and dozens and dozens of, of, uh, of positive feedback. Um, and we've had our critics too, but they're few and far between. And what I really realized is most of the people that listened to me came back and they listened again. And it really, aside from the ego boost, I really think God used it to really just help me to practice my speaking, to practice uh, and to learn that the audience generally are good folks. They want you to succeed. They are on your side. You know why? Because they feel the same way you do. And they put themselves in your position the same way you, the speaker, are putting yourself in theirs. When when I speak, I was sitting in the spot where the meanest lady in the room was sitting, and I was imagining how she was taking in all of my information. Meanwhile, that lady, who probably just had a naturally weird look on her face anyway, I've, haven't you ever met somebody like that? She was putting herself in my position going, man, and she had two, one or two responses, man, um, I'd hate to do that. Oh, I'd be so nervous and blah, blah, blah. Or she was thinking, oh, I could do much better than that. And you know what? The truth is, you know what? Those people, you're not going to preach to anyway. That's why I say preach to the listening. Because those that don't look like they're listening or ones that are disinterested, God's got to pull them in anyway. So it's not really on you. And um, the ones that are being critical and buttheaded-ish, ish, there's a word for you. Um, heck with them. Heck with them. Dad gum. Life's too short. It's like people that, that clean their house uh, for, for, for visitors. Um, and, and my wife will freak out about every little detail and, oh, we've got to do this. And it's like, would you really want visitors at your house that would freak out because your trash can had two pieces of trash in the bottom? Or the, 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 the towels on the towel rack in the bathroom weren't completely straight. No, you wouldn't want those people over. So, you know, it's, it's nice to clean for them. Don't get me wrong. But when you're speaking, why would you speak to someone that hates you? So when I talk, you know what? I'm not the most knowledgeable children's pastor in the world. I have, uh, I have a little bit of, you know, I got 10 years here on me, but, um, I think I bring something to the table. 
I think God has shown me that I've got a little bit of a different perspective on things than some. And, and, and I definitely have a target audience that, that desires the things that I want to say. And I, it doesn't give me a big head. If anything, it just keeps me level and keeps me from going negative. So this show is really, this episode of this show is really for those of you that Satan really attacks in the area of your confidence. Um, at the end of the day, you are going to just have to trust that if God called you to do this, he is going to empower you. Okay, It's not a Moses situation where, oh, I don't speak very good. He's not going to give you an errand to talk for you. If he's giving you this job, this is what you got to do. So practice. Practice just like you would anything. Build that muscle, whatever. I am not saying you got to start a podcast, but, um, you know, work on it. Record yourself. Uh, audio, video, whatever you got to do. Um, get together with a couple other children's pastors in, in, in your area and critique each other's stuff. Oh, it's going to be horrifying, but it's going to be great for you. I don't know. Pray about it. Pray pray. God will give you that, that uh, what is it called? The, uh, the guts. I don't know. I think I beat this horse to death. Let's go. If you have any input on... Uh, on this topic about stage presence, any tips, anything that's helped you, please share them with us and we'll share it in the next show. A couple of you guys did that from last time. And uh, so we've got a couple of uh, uh, things about audiovisual stuff. Let me jump right in. Hey, James, I've been listening to your show since 2007. I really enjoy it. I've used several of your ideas over the years. I am currently a children's pastor in North Carolina. Uh, in listening to the podcast about communication, this is a while back, you mentioned about a form you fill out for your current pastor. Is there any way I can get a copy of that? I need to increase my communication to my pastor, and I do not want to recreate the wheel. Also, if you know of any other ways to increase communication and trust between me and my pastor, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much, Michael. Michael, um, here is that staff communication form. I'm looking at it right now. At the top, it just says staff communication form. And this is a form I give to my pastor every week. I actually have it as a Google Doc. I change out the text and I print it off. First question, and this is something he wrote up. Uh, Briefly describe the highlight of your week and why. So I get to share the best thing that happened to me that week. Sometimes I put two things. Uh, Projects in progress. And then I just, anything that I've got that I'm working on, that I'm doing, I put it in there. New stages for Maranatha Hall. Rebranding the set in Juniorville. That's what the last couple things I'm working on right now. Um, I don't put everything, but I put in some highlights. Goals um, that were achieved this week. So anything I finished up. Uh, BGMC was a huge success last week. Uh, I was taught how to reboot church servers. Hopefully, we'll minimize check-in downtime. So that was just something that we'd been trying to work on, getting together with the IT guy to come in and teach me um, how to reset servers if they'd gone down because we had an, a down week and we're not able to do check-in, blah, blah, blah. So those were a couple of big deals. Um, and then the next question is any points of frustration? Man, my favorite, favorite one. You know why? Because when I put things in this category and it's not every week i only put things in there that he can he can do something about because i'm not going to transfer my frustration to him and there's very little to be frustrated about and honestly and i can't read what i put here so sorry drama people that love drama i would love to it's really cool i mean juicy we're talking church drama to the max but i gotta keep it secret but whenever i put in stuff in here it gets handled 
He talks to me about it. He follows up. He deals with it. He'll say, oh, oh, you know, I've been meaning to handle that. I was aware of it. Boom, boom, boom. And he does it. And I love that. So any points of frustration? And I put those down in there. And then items that need discussion with pastor. Right now it says none. But if I have something, it doesn't always have to be dramatic. Notice it's different than points of frustration. If I need to set a date with him, uh, if I need to work on a ranger missionette, uh, you know, award ceremony, if I just need to chat with him, if I want to take him to lunch, uh, we try to get together at least once a month to go to lunch, then I'm going to put those things in there. And uh, that's it. That's it right there. He actually added one uh, recently uh, just as a matter of uh, accountability on our visitation days. We all have hospital visitation day, and he wants me to mention who I visited. So that's extra down there. But for our purposes, again, briefly describe the highlight of your week and why, projects in progress, goals achieved this week, any points of frustration, and items that need discussion with the pastor. It gives me an opportunity to share what's going on, what I'm working on, what was completed, what's making me struggle, you know, what's keeping me from achieving everything I want to achieve. And then uh, it lets me know that if I need him or not. So I hope that helps. Uh, any other ways to increase communication? I would say if uh, if your pastor doesn't want a form, send him an email. Let him know how many kids were in your service, how many kids walked the altar. Tell him uh, what you talked about real quick and uh, just leave it at that. And uh, never ask him if he's read it. Just send it to him. All right, Robert White says, hey, I really enjoy your show. I want to thank you for your wealth of information you're willing to share. I listened to your latest podcast talking about the different software you use. Moving from the video ministry to the children's church was an easy transition for me, except for the fact that the funds for children's church um, are used for everything except technology. Welcome. Welcome to children's church. That being said, uh, we didn't have the funds to purchase another license for the Adobe suite, so I went out on a search and found a great product that fits all my needs for around 40 bucks. It's avs4u.com, avs, the number four, you.com. It makes an entire suite of audio and video software. Right now, it's only 39 bucks. Of course, it isn't as robust as some of the software out there, but for what most children's pastors would use it for, it might be just what they need. avs, number four, you.com. I'm going to have to check that out. So thanks, Robert. That's huge. And man, that must be frustrating. Oh, um, James, two sites that I just found that allowed others another s- several weeks of brand new countdowns. MuddyRiverMedia.org countdowns. Um, and I and that he says, I just changed the music with a game and cartoon remixes that I found on YouTube. I edited some of the five minutes to make a five, three, two, and one minute version. I added a buzzer at the end, a cow sound, an explosion, whatever, uh, when it gets to zero. And then freecountdowns.net. We've mentioned this on the show before. Uh, a few fun ones. Again, I added music. Thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. Freecountdowns.net only has three-minute countdowns last time I checked, but this is from Dean in Wichita. Thank you for those. We'll have all of these linked in the show notes over at helpimachildrenspastor.com. So check it out. Hey, we're going to get out of here. Helpimachildrenspastor.com is the website. Helpimacp at gmail.com is the email. Uh, you can call us if you want, 2095-NLCast. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, twitter.com slash NLCast, facebook.com slash NLCast. Leave us an iTunes review if that's how you found us or in Zoom, and uh, tell somebody about the show. We'd love for you to do that. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and we'll see you guys in two weeks, God willing and me willing, right here on Help I'm a Children's Pastor. Peace. Peace.